Hi, how are you? This is David with uh, the Word and Story Podcast. Sorry, it's been a, quite a long time since I've been able to record a podcast. I've changed positions, and as a result, it's had a con- I've had my time really consumed. But I am hoping to get back into this and to provide some insight into the weekly lectionary text and to be able to just share with you guys um, some things that I see in the in the scripture and uh, to hope you hope uh, hopefully give you some insight uh, and help you teach and share out of that. Today we're going to be looking at uh, Mark 9, 30 to 37. This is, um, this is proper 20, 18th day after Pentecost, and um, an important passage in Mark's gospel. And so let's just get right into it. Verse 30 of Mark 9, he says, They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask. And then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What are you arguing? What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said, Whoever welcomes such one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but the one who sent me. And this is a beautiful passage uh, of Jesus trying to spend time with his disciples and trying to to help them understand what's about to happen, and they're focused on quite a few other things. And so he passes through Galilee, but he doesn't want anybody to know that his public ministry is coming to an end. He wants to teach his small and those 12 disciples about the suffering and death that was about to come to him and what he requires of them because he knew that you know success the success of his work uh hinged on these 12 men and the movement of the spirit in their lives and their their investment and their relationship with with him and with God and with the Spirit. So he, he didn't want um, any ovations from the crowds. He, he didn't want any cheers from, from the masses. He is, his goal, his desire at this point in time in his ministry is to make that investment in those 12, to pour himself in and to, and to fill them up so that when the time came for his suffering and his death, they they would be ready to receive the Spirit, to understand what the Spirit's work was doing, uh, what, what Christ was doing, and then to be able to share that and then reproduce um, disciples uh, throughout the world. But sadly, they never got it. They never really got it until 
the pen, uh, until Pentecost, or at least until his resurrection. Um, and so um, Jesus, Jesus is walking quietly. They're walking through Galilee, and um, the disciples in the background, as we find in, uh, in the text, Jesus has been walking quietly, leading his, his disciples through Galilee, Disciples in the back have been talking about who's the greatest. They've been talking about status. Well, Peter does this, and John does this, and James does this, and Matthew does this, and Judas does this, and they're trying to establish a pecking order because they're hearing all of this stuff. And and I have to think, to some degree, some of it caught on. They really, you know, they heard it in the back of their head, but. At the same time, Jesus is talking about kingdoms and and coming into his kingdom and and all of that. And and so they really are trying to come up with a pecking order. Who's going to have this role? Who's going to have that role? We all sometimes, we, we do that. You know, whether we state it specifically that way or not, we, we do that. And so Jesus gets Jesus and his disciples get to the town and the home in which they are going to stay and he poses that question what were you talking about what are you arguing about along the way and they were silent it wasn't a dramatic pause it was that fear and that shame of being caught doing something you knew you probably shouldn't have done. It's that that feeling inside of you when you, you go, did he hear that? I, I, he shouldn't have heard that. That wasn't, he didn't need to hear that. But Jesus knew. Jesus could hear. It's like, uh, it's like, that parent, you know, when you're a parent um, and you know your child is doing something um, and so you walk into the room and you don't, you don't accuse them, you don't say stop doing that, you just simply say, what are you doing? And they're taken aback by it. That's what's happened. They were arguing about status. They were arguing about who was the greatest. And so Jesus takes this moment to talk about selfless service. He sits and he starts talking to them. He called the twelve to him. And he makes this very bold statement. That the whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And that's um, that's great from a um, theoretical standpoint, right? 
We, we get that. He, uh, he's already talked to them that uh, the one who tries to save his or her life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for his or her, loses his or her life for Jesus' sake will save it. And now he presents them with this other paradox that the one who wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And these disciples, they have visions of grandeur and they they don't they don't want to be a servant. They don't want to be somebody's you know, beck and call. They don't want to be the one who do the hard work. They want to be admired and exalted. And they they have this puffed up ambition that realistically is is the kind of ambition that is not ready to take up the cross and follow Jesus. They're not ready for that. And and I dare say if if you're listening to this in in first world countries that you're not ready for that. I'm not no I don't know that I'm ready for that. I would hope I would be if that time comes, but I'm not sure. Because there are things that I want. There are things that you want. And Jesus says to them, if you want a place of status, the greatest status is to be the servant, not to be the first. And then he paints this beautiful word picture. He, he reinforces this with this beautiful word picture by picking up a kid, a child. Now, the we, we romanticize children in our in our culture. They are um, they are precious. They're innocent. They're pure. They're sweet. They're trusting. They're cute. They're adorable. We like to take pictures of them, and we like to put their drawings on the refrigerator door. If you've had kids, you know what that's like. I've got a four-year-old, and he gets celebrated for doing the little things, and he's just so cute. He really is. He really is adorable, and he really is cute. One of the things he is not, however, is innocent. (laughs) He would... uh, but one of the things my son says to me all the time is, when I grow up, Daddy, I'm going to tell you what to do. When I grow up, I'm going to do this. When I grow up, I'm going to do this. When I get bigger, I'm going to do that. Because he realizes the situation that he's in, and and that is that... Um, that he's not the boss. But even more so in uh, the, the country, the, the culture in the context of the first century, 
um, they did not have romanticized notions about kids, about children. In fact, they they had little significance. The, the child had no power, he had no status, and very few rights. He was dependent, or he or she were, was dependent, they were vulnerable, they were entirely subject to the authority of the Father. And Jesus says, he chooses to, to represent those who want, um, uh, those are, who, who want, something out of life, need to become this way. They need to be humble. They need to realize that they have no, no real status. They, they have very few rights. They are dependent and vulnerable and subject, subject to the authority of God and Jesus and the Spirit. And so he chooses this word picture, this image to represent those who are needy and low, lowly. And if you want to be great, you should shower your, the attention on those others regard as insignificant. Because that's what Jesus did. If you want to be great, Show humble service for the humble. If you want to be great, understand, if you want a, a place of status, understand that, that you have to become as one with no status first. The first will be last. And servant. And we, we, we think that our, our way to a, a status is ambition, and when we get there, then we can have people do for us. Jesus says, if you want to be great, if you want to, have, uh, to be great in my eyes, then if, if you need to, to have no status. Jesus has disparaging words for those who thought they were in places of status. He has fond, loving, fatherly words for those who realized they're where they were, had a sense of self-awareness and sense of self-understanding. And that's, that's where He wants us. We are totally dependent upon the Father. We are a child totally dependent upon the Father. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. Whoever cares and approaches people and loves them in, in the same way uh, that you would care and approach and love and serve one with no status, 
is the same one who has my attention and has my admiration. And, and the, the lectionary texts for the week, uh, which also include James 3, kind of throw a, a, a different uh, or a, a, a unique spin on this, this sta- idea of status and greatness. Because, who, I mean, we all want, we all have ambition. We all want to do things. There are things in our lives we want to accomplish. And, um, and, and it's okay to, to be ambitious as long as ambition is not your goal. James, the, the lectionary texts for the week have James 3, 13 through 4, 3, and then also verses 7 and 8. So let me read that real quick. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter enemy, excuse me, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. For there is envy and self for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. These those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they do they not come from your cravings that are at war with you? within you. You want something and do not have it. You commit murder, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And so, in in chapter 3 and uh, in chapter 4, um, Jesus is talking about envy and ambition and jealousy and what's going on in the heart. And he says that where there is envy and selfish ambition, there's disorder, chaos, and wickedness. And that's that's true when we want, when we, when we are striving for a, a a status, there is that inherent danger that we will, that the end will justify the means, uh, and so we will do whatever we can to obtain that status. If that status is our goal, then many times we'll do whatever it is to get there. We'll cheat, we'll steal. We'll do whatever we need to do. But they're really cravings that are at war within us. Look at what James says in verse chapter 4, verse 2. You want something and don't have it, so you commit murder. You covet something and can't obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You have not... Because you don't ask, and you don't ask, you ask, and you don't receive, because you you ask in the wrong way, for the wrong reason, for the wrong motive. 
Why do you want more money? Is it to buy more stuff? Or is it to serve those, also to serve those who have nothing? It's okay to be rich. It's okay to have money. But it's not okay to look a blind to a blind eye with a blind eye to those who have nothing. And so so the lectionary texts kind of fold in this idea of of ambition into Jesus's into Jesus's uh, words, into Jesus's mind, in what Jesus is saying. That really, your, your, the status that you want is a, is, is a result of unwise thinking and unwise actions. And you need to be careful about what you wish for and want and desire. Do you want that status for status' sake? Do you want that status to get the applause and the attention of others? Or are you willing to become someone with no status, totally dependent and realizing that dependency upon God the Father so that you can serve others and welcome those who have no status as well? It's okay to have ambition. It's okay to need and to want. But but James says... You ask and you don't receive because all you really want is to get get your your pleasure. You you don't want to do it for the sake of others. And so as we think about as I close in talking about this text, these texts this morning. What do you really want? And why do you want it? Is there a place or a position that you need or you think that you want? And so you're going to do whatever it takes to get there? I mean, is it really about the status? Is it really about the position? Is it really about the adoration? And maybe it's not there for you because... All you want is because of your selfishness. Maybe God doesn't offer that to you for that reason. Sometimes we have to lose everything to gain it all. Because you understand where you're coming, you understand where others are coming from. Sometimes we have to be needy. Sometimes we have to lose it all. if you want to have a place of status in God's eyes, then serve those who have no status and have no position and have no one to care for them. And when you do that, when you welcome them, when you embrace them, when you love them, when you show them genuine concern and work genuinely for their benefit, then everybody starts to take notice. And it changes 
you. It changes you.